Hey, it's Lily Jamali. Marketplace Tech has a new limited series out on YouTube called Decoding Democracy. With rapid advancements in new technology like AI, disinformation efforts are more convincing and more misleading than ever. So we'll be discussing how to spot things like deep fakes, how to protect yourself from disinformation, and how to talk to your friends and family about it. As always, this fact-based journalism and vital information will be free and accessible to all. As a public service newsroom, donations from you help us take on ambitious reporting projects like this one. Every single gift makes a difference. Go to marketplace.org slash give tech. Hey, it's Lily Jamali. Marketplace Tech has a new limited series out on YouTube called Decoding Democracy. With rapid advancements in new technology like AI, disinformation efforts are more convincing and more misleading than ever. So we'll be discussing how to spot things like deep fakes, how to protect yourself from disinformation, and how to talk to your friends and family about it. As always, this fact-based journalism and vital information will be free and accessible to all. As a public service newsroom, donations from you help us take on ambitious reporting projects like this one. Every single gift makes a difference. Go to marketplace.org slash give tech. How far would you go to protect your data? From American Public Media, this is Marketplace Tech. I'm Lily Jamali. It is hard to disappear these days. Everything from renting property to working a job to using a credit card leaves a digital footprint. But just because it's hard to vanish from the virtual world doesn't mean people aren't trying. Some do it out of necessity to escape violence or persecution. Others do it out of curiosity, pursuing total anonymity just to see how far they can take things. Hal Tridman is a privacy engineer who recently wrote about the extreme privacy community for the online magazine Reboot. I was really uh, intrigued by this community, um, and I was intrigued sort of to dig into the question of are we the ones who are sticking our heads in the sand and, and being sort of ignorant of the reality of this situation, or uh, are they the ones who are going way over the top uh, with their devotion to disappearing? Mm-hmm. And as best as you can answer that question based on your research, what did you find? It's, as it usually is, somewhere in the messy middle. One of the things that's interesting uh, is about the psychology that drives people uh, to try and disappear. Like, what is it that is really making someone want to, to get rid of their digital double, uh, stop casting a digital shadow? And it comes from the sense of individualism, almost a, a level of paranoia, and, and a sense to, you know, take this hobby and sort of test it out in the real world, right? You know, if I were uh, being hunted down by an angry significant other, ex-significant other, or if a government was trying to persecute me, how would my threat modeling hold up? How would my uh, privacy setup work? Uh, and that's a real genuine concern for some of these people. Uh, and it's true. You know, we should all probably be a little bit more secure online. We should be using things like password managers, um, trying to buy private products, probably not giving all of our data to Google and Apple uh, and, and Meta all the time. But one of the things that privacy, extreme privacy adherents sort of forget oftentimes is 
the, the political question that's at the heart of this. It's, it's on all of us. It's on the people who are sticking their heads in the sand with this sort of uh, privacy fatalism and also the extreme privacy adherence uh, to both sort of stand up and look at the real problem, which is a, a political one, and try to answer some of those difficult questions about who should have power over our information in our society. What are some of the steps people who live this lifestyle are taking to remain anonymous? Yeah, yeah. It's not a one-size-fits-all kind of 12-step uh, process or anything like that. But they're using all sorts of really uh, interesting and, and usually open-source independent software, right? So uh, they use operating systems instead of Apple or Google or Windows or something like that. They'll be using something like Tails, which is this hyper-privacy-focused operating system that runs on Linux. And on their phone, they'll get rid of uh, the normal sort of like pixel. Uh, nobody really wants to use Apple products in this community, but they'll get rid of the normal Google pixel thing and they'll replace it with Graphene OS. Uh, instead of Gmail, they'll be using ProtonMail, which is like fully end-to-end -end encrypted. They'll text everyone they know with Signal instead of iMessage or Facebook Messenger or SMS. They'll uh, even go so far sometimes as uh, registering private mailboxes, uh, registering as South Dakota nomads, because you only have to live there for, I think, one day before you're enabled to register for this. So they'll, they'll do all sorts of things from technical wizardry encryption on one end to these like legal machinations, anonymous LLCs, hiding their address on driver's license. And the thing is, it's difficult. It's, it's really difficult. This is like a full suite that changes your entire lifestyle. I mean, how do you do things like get a paycheck from your job or buy property anonymously? <laughs> Can you? It's uh, It depends to whom you want to be anonymous. Um, it's possible to buy cars, uh, houses, rent, rent properties uh, anonymously through sort of uh, like Wyoming LLCs, which are pretty cheap and easy to set up. But oftentimes, the, you know, property managers or the people who are selling the house or the car dealer or whoever, they're, I think, rightfully a little bit uh, sketched out by the whole prospect of selling to a completely anonymous individual or <laughs> conglomeration of individuals because they have no idea. So, so it's one of these things where you have to really explain what is what, what the reasoning is. And some people get it. Some people might not. We'll be right back with more on extreme privacy with Hal Tridman at Reboot. You're listening to Marketplace Tech. I'm Lily Jamali. We're back with Hal Tridman at Reboot. As you're describing this, it all sounds very exhausting. Um, and I imagine it must feel isolating, too. Did you find evidence of that when you were writing this piece? Yeah, um, it's really interesting. There's sort of this... Uh, it's not a like a forum, like a Reddit style community, but there is a thriving sort of write-in community where people contribute pieces to um, some extreme privacy-focused magazines, and and a lot of the pieces they have a focus on how this affects uh, yourself from a mental perspective and also your loved ones. Um, so uh, one of the sort of leading lights of this community is this guy Michael Bazell. Um, and he has a podcast and he he sort of has written the book on extreme privacy, so to speak. Um, and he talks a lot uh, about how these things affect 
you know, their, their families. Um, you know, he says, all, I want to make sure that all of my weird, dumb ways of doing this stuff doesn't eliminate my family bonds. And some other community members explicitly focus on trying to keep this uh, compartmentalized because, you know, if you drag people who are unwilling into this, it, it sort of breeds resentment. It can be even more isolating than just the exhausting process of thinking about, am I at risk? Am I at risk? Am I at risk? You know, when we talk about data privacy, there's often this question raised about whether people should care about their data if they have nothing to hide. I know it sounds naive, (laughs) but I'll just throw it out there. Um, But that does come up. Did, Did you get the sense from the participants in the extreme privacy community, people who you spoke with, that they did have something to hide in some cases? I think when we're talking about the the quote-unquote extreme privacy community, really there's, I think, a couple of different branches of that. Um, first of all, there are people, you know, women, queer people, sex workers, uh, people who might be uh, gender minorities or, or sexual minorities who are disproportionately subject to online harassment, doxing, swatting, all of these horrific online practices and on the other hand, there are people who are, you know, sort of curious about this. Um, and I think that those two communities, as far as their orientation uh, and their their drive for doing it, they really they really differ. And and I do think that it's interesting to sort of uh, and important to disambiguate those two and say that they actually might have different drives here. And as far as having something to hide, I I mean, I think that's kind of a specious argument. Um, I really think it's it's important that we keep our wits about us because, as we've seen in the last couple of years, societal norms, legal norms, social norms can change remarkably quickly. If you had said in 2020 uh, that Facebook messages would be used to prosecute people who were seeking abortions in the United States, most people probably would have said, that's kind of crazy. I I, I don't know what you're talking about. And yet we saw last year that exactly that happened uh, with a mother and daughter who were prosecuted for uh, having an abortion uh, or or facilitating having an abortion in the case of the mother on the basis in part of their Facebook messages. Um, so these norms can change. And it's important that we we keep our wits about us and, and sort of keep in mind as, you know, uh, every single young person in the audience has heard for their entire lives that things on the Internet are permanent. Um, and, and you need to be careful about that. So I think that, uh, anyone who argues that I have nothing to hide, so we should all be surveilled is really ignoring the fact that norms can change, rules can change, and, and nobody's perfect. Nobody is a a perfect saint of a human. So as long as there's something that makes you feel like, you know, you might want this to be private, you wouldn't want this to be in front of everyone, uh, I think that privacy is a worthwhile value to pursue. That was Hal Tridman at Reboot. Beyond how people can practice extreme privacy, it's worth asking whether they should. On this point, Hal, in his Reboot article, cites author and activist Cory Doctorow, who writes that technology is a tool for social change because it can temporarily shield you from the all-seeing eye of a corrupt state. Doctorow says that sometimes temporary window can be an opportunity to push for a just, responsive, and transparent government. 
Hal argues extreme privacy hobbyists are in some sense turning their backs on making positive change for everyone. He calls them extremely individualistic. And in his article, he says this approach can be rooted in deep nihilism about other humans. Disappearing yourself may feel empowering, but the truth is that it's inherently self-limiting. Hal writes that to disappear is to cede the space you once took up, to cast away the chance that just maybe your visibility could create change. We've linked to his full piece on our website, marketplacetech.org. Rosie Hughes produced this episode. I'm Lily Jamali, and that's Marketplace Tech. This is APM. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I'm spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Khreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.